Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Why the church? Why the church? Part two. If you weren't here last week, I talked just a little bit about how Jesus chose to build his church. He said to Peter, what? Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's good news, isn't it? That's right. We're going to get into that a little more later. But there are some good things that come out of being a part of a church. We're better together. How many can say amen? I'm going to talk about that today. And the next part is we're stronger together. Would you stand with me before we begin and and just trust that God is speaking to his church? How many believe that he still speaks to us today? We need each other. We're in a tumultuous time. Say that three times fast. It it is. It's crazy out there. And I'm telling you, yesterday I just had to stop even looking at Facebook because there's so much stuff going on around the world. And I just had to just press in and say, Lord, I just need you today. And I think that's what the Lord wants. And that's why another reason why church is so important. It's a place where you can come and get refueled. And the stuff of the world just sort of falls away, at least for a short time. And he's able to to re-energize your batteries. And and I need that today. So join me as we pray. And uh, let's just trust the Holy Spirit is here. And he is going to do a good work in us today. Lord, we are humbled to be in your presence. I thank you for every man and woman, every boy and girl that has come to this place today. Lord, I ask right now that you would just tenderize our hearts to receive from you, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the things of God. And Lord, if there's something that you want an individual to know today, maybe it's just hearing your voice say, I love you. Whatever it is, Lord, may you speak to them. Holy Spirit, this is a God-driven church. It's not Pastor Norm driven. Lord, we trust that you are behind this work. And Lord, you are here today where two or more gather. And we just commit the service into your hands. This message, Lord, which I feel is so important for today. Bless these people and just bless this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You know what? Before you sit down, we haven't done this in a while. I did that just because Karen already sat down. <laughs> just look, just reach somebody out, reach out to somebody and just tell them you're glad they're here today. You know, as I'm watching all of you guys hugging, and you can sit down after you've greeted. Everybody, everybody but Karen. But as I, as I watch you greet each other, you know, there's just something about seeing a friend and, and just hanging on each other, loving on each other. Imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. I mean, all those relatives that you love and went on to be with Jesus, your friends. And as I age, a lot of my friends are gone already. You know, they're already in his arms. And, uh, you know, for you young people, you still have a while, but. Man, I'm getting closer to that day when one way or another I'm going to be in heaven. I'm excited about that. Because that means this old body that's been holding me back for so long, it ain't holding me back anymore. 
Hallelujah. That's good. That's a, a good news kind of thing that we have going. Well, this week, I wanted to talk about a message that has really been burning on my heart. And, of course, it has to do with the church. But um, I asked a young, a young man in our church, young adult, I said, what goes through your head when you think about church? You know, what, what kind of stuff do you think about? And, and it really hit me. He said, you know, recently, he said, I was talking to another young adult, and, and he said, uh, as we were talking, we began to ask the question, why do we go to church? And, and that just hit me. Why do I come to church? How many ever asked that? Honestly. Yeah, there you go. One of you. The rest of you. You're still trying to tune in. You should have had another copy because Jen's always going. Zoom! <laughs> She's the energizer bunny. Why do I come to church? And, and these young men were discussing this, and, and I believe that this is from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit convicted them, and he drove this point, and, and he said this. He said, am I coming just to fill a seat and carry out my religious obligation for the week? Or am I coming to get equipped so I can go out and spread the gospel the rest of the week? Three of you clapped. The rest of you, huh? Come on, tune in here. I can't do this on my own. Where's my cheerleaders at today? All right, all right. There you go. I, I believe that this question, if you ask it of yourself, and I believe the Holy Spirit is asking his church this very thing. Why are you here? Why are you here? And, and I'm hoping by the end of the message, I might be able to define that a little bit and, and answer that to some degree anyway. The truth is, the local church was put in place to fulfill the latter, to be equipped to go out to spread the gospel in our community in all across the world. Amen? We have a twofold purpose. And that is to disciple the people and to send out those who are trained. So you're, you're one or the other. You know, you're either a disciple or you're one of those that's trained and should be going out and reaching the lost. That's the purpose of the church. Did you know that the church is a living organism? And unless it continues to grow, what happens? It dies, right? Anything that isn't growing is dying. Isn't that true? Jesus summed all this up in what we like to call, in the church anyway, the Great Commission. And I'd like to read from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and that, this is the New Living Testament. I have highlighted a couple verses in red. That's my highlighting, not the... NLTs. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. How much? All right. So is anything missing here? He's got it all. All right. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. How many of the nations? So we're supposed to reach to the uttermost parts of the earth, all the way to the ends of the earth, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. Teach those new disciples 
all the commands that Jesus gave them to do. And be sure of this, he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he was talking not just the apostolic age, but all the way to the end. This isn't something he told the early church to do and then just go on and do whatever you want. This was his plan to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose then is to preach Christ in him alone and to make disciples of those who choose the giver of life. Who choose the giver of life, Jesus Christ. Then we take those who have been trained and we send them out into the world. Here's the cycle. I put it up for you. Reached with the gospel. Saved by the blood. Trained to serve. And that means you're discipled, all right? And then release them to do the same. When this is followed, when this cycle is followed in the church, what do you have? A healthy church. And what does a healthy church do? It can't help but grow. When something is healthy, it's going to grow. Now, if you choose to do this, your church will be healthy. But if you choose not to, then the opposite is going to happen. And it may look like a thriving, growing church, but unless this is being followed, this cycle is being completed, that church will eventually die off. I want you to think about this. How many people did Jesus start with? All right, 12. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples, and then he gave them the power and the authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases, and then he sent them all out to tell people about him. That's pretty cool. How many did he start with? 12. Is that very many? If you went into a church today and you saw 12 people, what would you think? I need to find another church, unless you're looking for a little one, right? There's nothing wrong with little churches. Jesus started one that way. And what happened a little bit later, in fact, in the next chapter we see this, the Lord now chose how many? 72 other disciples. So that means 12 plus the 72, he's got a thriving church already. I say that's pretty good news. What just happened? Church growth happened. That's what happened. If Jesus was showing us the way, he is the model for us, right? We're to pattern our lives after him, and he is the one that started the early church. We need to realize that he didn't just say, just, okay, you guys just go do it however you want. He had a plan, and that plan was to grow the church his way. Growth happened. This passage shows us that there were more than 72 disciples as Jesus chose 72 more, not including the first 12, to go out and, I love this, to prepare the way for his visit. Do you know that's what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to go out and prepare the people for the visit of Jesus Christ. It's not our job to get them saved, is it? It's not up to us. We're, We're here to plant seed, to water it, but it's up to God for to grow it. It's up to God to reach down and finally get a hold of that person and bring them to him. Bring them into the fold, if you will. But our responsibility is to go out and tell people, hey, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Jesus is coming. 
have you received him yet? Do you even know who he is? We are to go out and prepare the people to receive a visit from Jesus. I think that's pretty cool. Nothing has changed since our Lord and Savior walked this earth. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Same message, same Jesus, same purified church doing the bidding of their heavenly Father. Can I get a good amen? What we see in these scriptures is Jesus showing us how to do church. The Bible also teaches that when it comes to God, we are not to despise these small beginnings. God rejoices when people start something, start a new ministry, start a new prayer group, whatever it is. God rejoices because that's going to grow if it's based on the principles that I just showed you. If we're working toward bringing people to Christ, it's going to grow. It has to, because that's part of being a healthy church. I hope I'm not hitting you hard today, because I want you to get excited about this message. I'm not, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm here to just to encourage you. We have the blessing, the responsibility to be a witness for Jesus and say, look at what he's done in my life. Again, if you knew me back when I was 21, 22, man, I was so stinking ornery. I didn't, I hated myself. I'm not messing. I'm, 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 I was one, you know, some of you are going, what's changed? But that's, <laughs> I have changed. I have. God has so softened me. I didn't know what love was. I didn't know how to love. And he changed that in me. How easy is it to share that with people? They need to hear it. They need to know that there's hope. They need to know that there's a God that loves them so much. He came and he allowed himself to be hung on that cross. And he saw them when he was up there. And he said, now take hold of what I've done for you. Receive this gift Receive this gift that I want to so desperately give you. But it's a choice. People have to get it. It's a choice. That's our, our responsibility. We may begin small like Jesus did with the 12, but nothing is impossible with God, is it? Knowing that in Matthew 16, and I've already shared this once, but upon this rock, Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. And the rest of it, the rest of it, and knowing that Jesus gave his church the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We've got the keys. You don't give keys to somebody you don't trust. Do you? Do you go up to a stranger and say, hey, here, you look like somebody that would like a key to my house. Here, here. No, Jesus trusts us. He gave us the keys. And not only did he give us the keys, but this verse always says, whatever he also says, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. When we pray, stuff happens. God is up there and he's taking all our prayers in and he's acting on them. We're seeing a, a wave of God go across this world. I hope our own nation receives it. 
Because we need it desperately. But there's something in the wind, isn't there? God's doing something. I don't know everything he's trying to do, but there's something coming. And I think it's going to be a good thing for the church. I know that people are going to come to Christ through this time in waves, in waves. It's been predicted. It's been prophesied. God is coming back for a church that is ready for him. And I believe that we're in that time. I really do. How can we lose if we're serving him? If he's given us the keys to the kingdom, how can we lose? He already said it. The gates of hell will not, will not, say that with me, will not prevail. His church is going to grow whether the devil wants, and we know he doesn't, whether the devil wants it to or not. We can't lose. The church wins. The church wins. We've got to get this in our spirit. Exactly. Exactly. We win. We've got the book that actually shows us what's going to happen in the end. Called the book of Revelation. The last book in the Bible. By the way, I'm going to do a study on that probably starting the week after Easter. It should be intense. Bring your seatbelts. Because... (laughs) People are going to be running to the altar when they hear what that book has in it. If they're not saved, if you're already saved, you're going to be going, whoo, whoo, whoo. You're going to have trouble sitting back. But if you're not, you're going to be feeling that, that spirit of the Holy Ghost going, come on, come on. Stop being comfortable. Come on, do something. Anybody been there before? Don't you love God for not letting you stay a sinner? He loves you too much to do that. He'll do whatever it takes to get you to cross over to his side, to the winning team. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what we're hit with, whether spiritual, physical, or mental warfare. Hear this. If we do the Great Commission and don't give up or give in, what? We win. How many want to win? Now, I know you might be sitting here today thinking, well, pastor, it's your job to run the church. Well, I'm going to dispel that myth right in, in short order. But what I want you to know is that you are the church. You are the church, not me. I'm a part of the church, but I'm not the church. I represent the church. I represent you. I represent Mount Hope Church in Gaylord. But I am not the only one. I'm just a little part of it. As the kids... As the kids illustrated, we need each other. When they came out, by the way, thank you, Tony, for bringing them out uh, today. He's not in here right now, I don't think. But anyway, um, that was awesome. And you kind of saw what it's like for the church to work together. And it's not easy because we have our own ideas. How many have ever worked with someone? They wanted to do it one way. You both had the same idea as far as the end result. But how you were going to get there was different. Anybody ever struggle with that? Some of you in your marriages. You know, how am I supposed to, how am I, you you want to do it this way. And and I I just like straight lines. You know, it's like going shopping. 
at Sam's with my wife, and I'm, this wasn't in my notes, but yeah, you know, and, and she loves Sam's, and, and it's not like to buy, it's just, ah, just to unwind, just, you know, gotta look at everything, go down every aisle, like uh, Tim, Tim Allen said in Santa Claus, I think it was two or three, there's nothing wrong with a straight line, Chet. Remember that part? Yeah, just get in, get out. I know what I want. I came in for batteries. I don't have to look at toilet paper, too. Well, what if there's something in the clearance that's a really good deal? Ah, okay, let's go. No, I can't say that. I enjoy it, too. I, I enjoy just being with her. And uh, that's one of the things we do together as a couple. I know it sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you're our age and, yeah, that's the excitement of the week there, man. Okay, where was I? I got to get back to my notes. Sorry. All right, here it is. And I want you to hear my heart on this. I don't care about numbers. So if somebody says, is that all you guys care about numbers? No. No, I don't. I don't care about numbers for numbers' sake. When a church is healthy, it will grow. If it is not, it will die a slow death. And as presbyter, I've seen that happen many times. All right? I'm very familiar with, with what it looks like, even the signs before they get there. And it's, it's not pretty. You know, there are two definitions for a body count. One of them is that they're dead. And there are a lot of churches out there today that are dead. They have bodies, but they're dead. The churches are dead. I don't believe we're dead. I believe the Lord is, is inspiring us today to reach to new heights. I believe he's releasing something supernatural in this body that's going to take our community by storm. I do. And I feel that with all my heart. I, I can't even begin to tell you some of the prophecies that have been shared with me. And one of them's awesome, but this week wasn't the right time, but... I'm telling you, when you hear it, you're just going to go, wow. Last Sunday night, by the way, was that awesome? We had, we had 60 people show up last Sunday night, and we just worshiped, and we prayed, and we praised, and oh my, I, I just, the Holy Spirit kept talking to us, and, and, and when we prayed, people were being healed, and it was amazing. And we left here just going, woohoo, we're on the winning team. And we needed that, and we need to do that more, and we will. But I want you to hear this. Numbers are not important in and of themselves, but as the ushers do a body count every Sunday, the reason that they do is so we can see trends. You know, it's important to know where you're living and what kind of trends are happening. I was in one church years ago that... They had completely missed that their neighborhood had changed. It went from an all-white or Caucasian community to a, a half and half, half a African-American and half uh, whatever the other people were. And they didn't even realize it. And it was like, wow, how can you miss that? Your own neighbors and you're not reaching them. That's why you count. That's why you look at who your church is so that you can keep up with the trends and keep up with the times. 
The message doesn't change, does it? But how we reach the people does, and we've got to be sensitive to that. Plus, in the Assemblies of God, which we are a part of, every year they expect me to fill out what's called an ACMR, an all-church ministries report. And that thing, it's like 140 questions that you have to answer and plop, plop, put all of, input all these numbers into it. You know, regular attendance, Bible studies, all that stuff that we do in the church. And it helps them to kind of calculate where the assemblies of God is going, at least in the United States. And it's important that we see, are we growing? Are we not? If we're not, what are we missing? And I believe one of the things that God has showed me over this last couple of years is you're not on mission. You're not on mission. We started getting off into the, oh, you know, I wonder what a smoke machine would do. You know, or, or what could we do in the youth room? Maybe a, a disco ball or something, you know, that'll bring them in. And it's like the Holy Spirit saying, whoa, is that really what I'm asking you to do? I want you to reach the people with the gospel that I gave you. There is no other way. Now, the other stuff may work for some churches, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Don't get me wrong there. I'm just saying for this church, I have been if I can put it this way, mildly rebuked by the Holy Spirit in the sense that you need to get back on task. Get on mission. Do what I've called you to do. And that's what, if you haven't noticed, that's what's been happening with this man in the last couple of months. I hope that's a good thing. I hope you see that and how important that is. You turn the page. Where am I? All right, here we are. Big or small, every church is important. Would everyone agree? And again, as presbyter, I have churches in our section that are, uh, I think the lowest number is like 8 or 10, and the higher number, I think we're one of the higher numbers in our section, which we're averaging about 175 uh, on a Sunday. So that's not a bad thing, but it's not great either. I think we have room to grow, but that is up to the Lord, isn't it? Now, when we were in Lansing, and I share this only because I'm trying to emphasize something, that we were in a large church years ago. How many know that we came up, Pastor Barb and my family, we came out of Mount Hope Church in Gaylord? Or Lansing, I'm sorry, I said Gaylord. That church, in the day, when we started there, was running just about how many are here, believe it or not, about 200. And we happened, God put us there for just such a time as that so I could watch it grow. I believe that. Because I wouldn't know what I'm doing today. Some would say, maybe you don't now, but, you know, I'm learning. I am. I'm getting there. You, you just keep praying for me and bear with me. Be patient. We're getting there eventually, man. And woman. So we start in Lansing. We, we come up under Pastor Dave Williams, our pastor. And, and, I mean, he just starts investing in his people. He started with 12, believe it or not. Tried to pour into his leaders, and that didn't go that great. But, you know, we learned something, though, and, and we are in ministry today, I believe, because of some of that. But after about a couple of years, we realized, man, look, hey, we're running 500. And then overnight, and I, I mean this, overnight, we went from about 500 to 2,000. And it happened 
just like that. What was different? What happened? What did, what did Dave Williams teach us that worked in Lansing? And, and I trust it's going to work here too. It's exactly what I'm telling you today. He said this, go after God with everything you've got. Everything. You know, don't, don't let there be anything that gets in your way. Love God first. And then love your neighbor enough to reach him with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you do this, the rest will happen naturally. We saw it with our very own eyes. And we thought, we built this, this church that had 3,200 seats in it, in the sanctuary. We built this church in Lansing, where we helped build it. We were part of that. And the first Sunday, we thought, hallelujah, we'll be able to worship together again. So we had one service. We packed the place out. We had to go to two services immediately, because there wasn't enough room. 3,200 seats. We were like, ah! We were blessed to be called back to become their children's pastors in the 90s. And we went, when we went back in 92, within a short time, our church had reached 6,000 people. We were doing five services again on Sunday. It was amazing. God did that. Why? Because our pastor knew what the Great Commission was, and he followed it. And he taught us to do the same, and our church grew because we were doing what Jesus challenged us to do. The Great Commission is what should drive the church. That's what should drive you and me. You know, when you guys, and I'm picking on the worship team a little bit, when you guys come up, the musicians and the singers, and you're up here playing, I know a part of you is up here because it's your passion. But I know there's another side that's up here because you know that you're helping bring people into the presence of the Lord. It's not just about your talent in the, in the music department or the singing, but it's about leading people to that place where they can say yes to Jesus. And every part of this church has something to do with that. Every single part. And that's what we've got to... We've got to sharpen that so that everything we do has this, love God, love your neighbor enough to reach him with the good news of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Move on here a little. The kind of church that our master Jesus Christ would call a true success is measured by how active the body of Christ is involved. Did you hear that? Okay, here's what I'm doing now. I'm taking it from here and I'm giving it to you. The body of Christ. Say, I'm the body of Christ. Point at yourself. I'm the body of Christ. Some of you didn't lift your hand up. I want you to do that. Take your right or left finger, if you're not holding the baby, point at yourself and say, I'm the body of Christ. And when we all get this into our spirit, let, let me tell you right now, the church is going to do amazing things. 
Hallelujah. We got a little preacher going down here. <clears throat> Excuse me. So success comes, I'm sorry, when each one does his or her part. Can you say that with me? Success comes when each one does his or her part. All right, here we go again. Point at yourself, and I'm say, I'm one. You are a part. You are a part that cannot be done without. I don't care what your gift is, what your talent is. Maybe you don't even know it yet. You know, some of you guys, you jump in with both feet. Others, you still haven't done that yet. I'm just here to tell you, a successful church, a healthy church, is a church where everyone finds their place and begins to do their part. What I like to call this is body ministry. It's Jesus with skin on. This is what God gave us to do, the church. You are Jesus with skin on. They read about him in the Gospels, but then you show up and you actually show them Jesus. They get to see what he looks like in you. Kind of sobering a little bit, isn't it? To realize the responsibility we have. Each one finds his or her place to serve. Now, I want to share a little bit in no specific order about some of the things that are happening, like hospitality ministry, ushers, greeters, guest service, cookies and coffee. Some of them aren't in here, but if, if you're in that group, stand up. You help with any of those things. Come on. Don't, don't. Yeah, I'm going to make you work. You're getting your exercise. All right, you can sit down. Worship ministry, the band, the singers, the sound techs, the overhead projections, stand up. When I, when I call it out, stand up. All right, see how many people are doing this? All right, you can sit down. And some of you have ministries that overlap, you know, and that happens. Not, it's not necessarily a good thing, but sometimes it is. <clears throat> then there's the maintenance. I mean, there's stuff that goes on. Anybody in here do maintenance in here? Come on! You lazy goombas over there. I knew you were sitting right there. Now, he's really not lazy because he's one of the guys in here, and, and Marvin just ran off, and one of our guys who's a carpenter is in Florida for the cold weather, but he'll be back. Uh, anyway, we, we love you guys. We couldn't do it without counselors. You know, there aren't a lot of people in the church that do that part. You really do have to be qualified for that, but that's something my wife and I do. Gardening construction, some of the others could stand up. Uh, how about evangelism? You led, have you led anyone to the Lord? Stand up then. Come on. All right. Look at that. Now, I hope in a year, if I ask that same question, that everybody in this room is going to be able to say, woohoo. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, speaking of that, and I was going to share it a little later, but on February the 15th, Wednesday at 7 p.m. right here, we are going to have the Karen and uh, Kevin Prevost come back, and they are going to do an evangelism training seminar for us. So be here that night. Uh, you probably have seen it behind me. So important that we know how to lead somebody to the Lord, and it's really easy. Security, you don't stand up. I know you're here. Um, Teaching, adults, youth, children, and babies, home group providers. Come on. Jeez, you guys are so hard to get to sit back down. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. Spouses, uh, training, how, parents, how to parent. 
Are there any parents, young parents in here who might be open to a little help with that? I mean, or do you got it all down? Nick, could you ever use a little training? Yeah, you've had a lot of help. You've got a great family, though, so they are teachers. And, uh, you know, a lot of our young people, they, they've grown up in homes that are very dysfunctional, and, and they just don't get it. Well, what's a normal family look like? And if you don't have kind of a starting point, it's hard to, to go from there. But um, these are the kinds of things. How about spouses? How to love your spouse? How about a class like that? What would, what would that do to somebody's? Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes, and I, I've, it, I've told on myself enough, but, you know, when I started out knowing Jesus, I didn't know how to love my wife. I mean, I loved her for one big reason. We had four kids. And it wasn't for the children. That was a byproduct. And up until I met Jesus, that was... That was it, you know? I mean, I'd see her, I'd buy her things, flowers, whatever, try to bless her, but I didn't know what I was doing. And then Jesus came into my life, and he starts teaching me. And Dave Williams did a great job, and he started teaching me. And, And because of that, I was able to see my wife in a new light. She wasn't just a sex object anymore. She was my wife who God gave his life for, and then said, now you go do the same. I'd never read that before. I didn't even understand it. But when it got into my spirit, how much I was supposed to love my wife, I'm telling you, it changed who I was. And it changed our marriage. And that's why we celebrated 40 years last year. To God be all the glory. Teaching our youth how to serve. Snow shoveling, that's a ministry in this church. We live in Gallard. <laughs> you know, when, when those guys come in at 8.30 and they shovel the stoops off out there and out there, believe me, you're blessed. I have to trudge over it usually, but I don't care. I'm just glad somebody else is doing it, and I don't have to do it before I preach. God bless you guys, you shoveling guys. Hallelujah. Preaching, you know, that's so important. Uh, prayer ministry, whether it's healing ministry, hospital ministry, spiritual gifts. Any of you in here? Come on. Woohoo, this is a morning to rejoice. You guys, you're a part of this. <laughs> Nothing happens without prayer. Nothing. If I just come out here and deliver a smooth message, big deal. But when you guys have bathed it in prayer, when I've prayed it through, which I always do, when that happens, God shows up. And that's when things change in the spirit realm. But without it, it's just a good service. I don't want a good service. I want a spirit-empowered, Holy Ghost visitation service. I'm looking forward to the day when people come in here and the blind see and the lame walk. When the deaf hear and my ears open up and the tinnitus is gone, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. These are the things we want in this ministry, in this church. Here's another one. Uh, Cleaning. (laughs) Come on. That's pretty important, don't you think? Let me ask you this. If 
If our janitor didn't come in, we had no janitor. The church never got clean. How long do you think it'd be before you quit coming? Well, probably what would happen first is people would get sick, right? And then you'd see the trash all around, and you'd start smelling things, and the flies would be buzzing. And I'm painting a good picture, aren't I? Those behind-the-scenes ministries are so important. I, God bless Janet and those that help clean this church. Because you wouldn't come back if it didn't happen on a weekly basis. Believe me, this place would be nasty. Finance, including the finance committee, the counters, the givers, and the bookkeepers. Come on. Now, the counters, some of them are in the back room right now counting. God bless them. I want to tell you something. I'm not a numbers guy. I actually started to become a math teacher back in uh, 1991, and I had a professor come to me, and I'd gotten to uh, calculus and statistics, and he, he actually pulled me aside, and he said, you know, Norm, I don't think this is your career. <laughs> now, when you hear that, and, and it's not that I'm stupid, because I'm not, I, I carried a good GPA, but the fact is, numbers was not my bag. Now, when I see Julie and Rose, you guys... In, it's, it's in a sick way, you like numbers. <laughs> and I am so thankful that you are. Because you make sure, you and the finance committee, you make sure that we're on the right track, that we're sticking in budget, and that we're not running out of the funds that God has blessed us with. I couldn't do it on my own. And I'm so grateful for you ladies. And men, if you're part of the finance committee. Hallelujah. Missions, both local and foreign. Discipleship. There, there's a huge gap with discipleship. This is what's changing in this church. We are. We're, we're changing this. It's, it happens to some degree, <coughs> excuse me, homogeneously through our small groups, through Bible studies and so on. But frankly, we're not doing a good enough job. We have a lot of people that come in and they pray that prayer on Sunday and then you don't see them again. We need to connect that person, he or she, when they raise their hand, that they're with somebody immediately that says, hey, I'm rooting for you. We win. Don't give up. Don't give in. I'm here for you. I'm your friend. I'm your, your, uh, an extra body part, if you will, because we're all part of the same body. Thank you, Jesus. Visiting, whether people who are shut-ins in nursing homes or in jail, God bless you. Do we have anybody doing that ministry right now? Going into nursing homes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Card senders. Uh, we have someone that does that. They just, if they find out it's your birthday, they send you something. If they find out you're sick, they send you something. And it's got stickers all over the thing. Don't be trying to figure out who it is either, because I'm not telling you. Mowing. Somebody's got to mow that grass. Even though it only grows one month a year, it still needs to be mowed. God bless you. And then there's computers, lighting, graphic artists, videographers. Do we have any of those in this room? People that do that stuff? You know, you're not going to stand because if I see you, I'm recruiting you after service. But the lighting in here, you know, there, there are guys in the back right now that are trying to make me look good. 
I know they're limited with what they have to work with. But. Anyway, I thank the Lord for the new lights. We can control the atmosphere. You can still see your Bibles, and, and I can still see you. It's not like one way or the other, and it's still comfortable in here. Eventually, we're going to have colored lights in the back that will kind of emphasize the back wall. That's going to look really cool when it's done. We're not there yet. Almost. All right. Where am I? Last thing. There are so many personalized ministries, many that haven't even been birthed. I suspect some of you are being challenged even now. These are the many ministries that help the church thrive. And each one doing his part to bless the body, making our world a better place. In Jesus' name. That's how it all works. That's what the church is all about. Can I get a good amen? I'm going to fly through this part. I actually wanted to read 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 28. I just want you to get the highlight of this, because I'm not going to read the whole thing. What I'd like you to do is read this later, all right? Just so that we can come to a close here, because I feel like you're done, and, and the Holy Spirit is challenging me to speed it up. I can't. Ah, there it is. Yep. I have a clock in the back, and I, I didn't realize it till last week, but you know, it's all a good thing. The human body has many parts, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, but the many parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Realize again that if the church is only known by what the pastor does, it isn't a healthy church. There's not just one part. That's a, a real flaw in some churches. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. So we're all a part of the body, right? Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God, get this, God has put each part just where he wants it. Did you get that? You're not here by accident, and if you're visiting, you're not in your church by accident. I see Mike's mom and dad down there. You know, you know your place there. And when we find that sweet spot, that place where you're passionate about what you're doing, God can do amazing miracles. Brother Clarence, man, and I tell you this all the time, but if I'm down a little bit, I just watch you. You're not bad on the base either. But that's not what I'm watching. I'm watching... How you love the Lord with your instrument. You love it. And I'm telling you, that ministers to more people here, including me. And I just thank you for that. Hallelujah. I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body. Each one of you is a part of it. Get that. All of you together are Christ's body. What? Together. Together, get that, together, all of you together are Christ's body. When we come together, we make the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part. And, and Paul emphasizes this over and over and over in this chapter. And then he goes through the parts, apostles, prophets, teachers, all that. Miracles, healing, helping others, the gifts of leadership. We need people with management skills, organization skills in the church. 
Nothing happens by chance. It has to be organized. And we need you folks. The bottom line, here we go. We all need each other. We all need each other. And this is so important. I was going to talk about all kinds of things. And I did want to say one thing, though, before I move on to the end. This is how Jesus intended the church to be. Would you admit that he knows what you need before you know what you need? And when you're in a church, he's already got people lined up to meet you right where you're at when you find yourself in that place of need. Somebody's going to be there for you. And the bigger that the church gets, the more uh, it's able to minister to those specific needs. So growth is a good thing if it's healthy, all right? Um, This last week, and you may not have known this, but... You know, I realize I'm not 30 anymore. I'm not 20 anymore. I'm not even 40 anymore. I'm almost 60. I'm getting close. I'm pushing it. And one of the, the young brothers, uh, Jason, he'd face, face messaged me, and he said, hey, if you need any help uh, up there at the church, let me know. And he probably regretted it after he did it because I didn't know this at the time, but I was about to get hit with a flu bug that I'm telling you what, and I've said this to a number of you, If somebody come over to my house Wednesday or Thursday night and said, would you like me to shoot you and put you out of your misery, I would have said, yes, please. I felt that lousy, that achy and whatever. And I've been on antibiotics for five days, so you should be safe. But what I'm saying is, I've been fist bumping most of you. What I'm saying is, this young man offered to help and I wrote him and I said, oh man, you know, how do I get a hold of you? And he gave me a cell number and I called him and, or texted him. I can't remember what we did. But I told him, come. Come tomorrow uh, when you get out of work. And he said, all right, I'll bring some guys to work with me. And, and Adam, God bless Adam, he's not here, but uh, let him know I said that, all right? Bless Adam, bless Jason. These guys tore all that carpet out of the children's room. And... You know, we have these security cameras, and I be, I'm able to see them on my phone, and I was watching you guys, you know, not like stalking you kind of thing, but <laughs> just to see your progress, because in my heart, man, I wanted to be here with you so bad, because I'm a worker, and I like to get in there and do it hands-on, but it's like the Lord said, look, you've got young men doing it, just, and I, I thank you guys, and, and that's just a part of what I'm trying to say to you. We need each other. Nothing happens in this place without somebody doing something. You know, Rosa and Marv and uh, Mike, they, they, Pastor Barb has been trying to build an organized seasonal room where she could store all the stuff of the church for 15 years. 15 years, and it still wasn't done. And these guys finally got in there, and they, they did it, man. They knocked it out of the park downstairs in our, in our new lower level, which you'll be invited to see after this week. (laughs) Give us another week. Pastor Barb is so excited. They got her done, finally. Thank you to you guys. And I know you spent a ton of time in there. (laughs) All right. I'm going to skip this part, but I've heard it all. Reasons for not joining the church. I don't need the church. I'm just going to say, yes, you do. 
And not only do you need the church, but the church needs you. Anybody you hear using that excuse say, look, you may be self-sufficient, you may be confident in your own abilities, but we need you. You have something that we're missing because you're not in the body. So if you run into people like that, challenge them on this. Because I don't believe it's scriptural to be a lone ranger if you're a Christian. I really don't. I don't like it when people tell me what to do. Frankly, I don't either. But for whatever reason, God placed authority in the church. And, and for whatever reason, he chose to put the pastor as the head of the local church. And so I get that blessed job. Yeah. And, and I don't enjoy beating up on people. I don't. In fact, I don't try to beat up on people. I try to encourage. And, and if discipline is needed, we try to do it scripturally. Uh, but we're not here to beat people up. We're here to see you grow in Christ, in your maturity and relationship with the Lord. And so challenge people when they get to this. And then I had the, the last one here was, you can read that again later. The, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I just want you to know I'm a gift. <laughs> Woohoo! Pastor Rogers, a gift to you guys. Huh? Aren't you blessed? And because we're a gift, you should cherish that gift. And the more you cherish us, the more God is able to bless the body. A church that doesn't appreciate their pastor, or pastors in this case, they're unhealthy. But if you'll respect the office, the place that God has put us in, we will challenge you. We'll do our best. We're prayerfully. We will try to work with anybody. We're never here to, to expel people or whatever you want to call it. We're only here to see the Lord and his church grow. We want this church to grow. All right. Finally and last but not least, Jesus said what? Go, go, go and reach the lost. Would you stand with me? Wow. I apologize, I've gone just a little over, not too much, but a little. I'll keep this short and sweet. I believe this. The Lord, his angels, and that great cloud of witnesses are up there today going, Hoorah. You go, boy. You go, girl. Hoorah. Maybe they don't use the, is that Marines or, yeah. Maybe they don't use that exact terminology, but they're saying, go, go, go. They're cheering us on. Because they want us to do what? The Great Commission. To carry out the Great Commission. To go into all the world and make disciples. That's our job. And if we can fasten in on this, make this our heartbeat, Look out. You're going to have to get here early to get a seat. I'm telling you right now. You watch. Mark my words. Here it is, February what, 5th? You watch. If we grab hold of this thing. Now, I've got one more week on this topic, at least one that I feel like the Lord's challenging me. And next week is this. Where do you tell people to go? You might be surprised at what comes out of this message. I know all your potty minds, I know where you just went. You were thinking of people too. That's the bad part. God loves you. God loves you.
and he wants you to know him intimately. And as you learn to understand who he is, and as he becomes more of you, he's going to use you more to be that one that goes out and brings people back. That's what the church is here for. For a safe place, a safe harbor, a healing place. And I'd just like to ask with everybody's eyes open, heads up, is there anybody here that you just say, Pastor, I need prayer today. I, I just, there's stuff going on. Salvation, uh, healing, whatever it might be, marriage, uh, relation, yeah, finance. Lord sees you. I just want to pray together, and, and as we do, we'll close. But just think about this this week. What is your part? Common ground. When you meet this afternoon, if you're meeting in your group, uh, you're going to get to talk about this a little more in depth. What's your part? I believe the Holy Spirit is challenging us to figure that out, to get into that place, that sweet spot, I like to call it, to become that ministry. All right? You're Jesus with skin on. Father, you saw the hands that went up. I plead the blood over everyone that raised their hand today. Just lift them up again, if you would, if you've got a need. Lord, you see them, whether it's salvation, Lord, bring them to the cross. Forgive them of their sins. Make them that new person. And Lord, for those that are struggling with a healing, again, by your stripes they are healed. We believe that today in Jesus' name. We pray for those in relational situations that have been exploding on them, Lord. And, and we just ask that you would intervene and give them wisdom beyond their years. From the mouth of two, two or three witnesses, Lord, that you would somehow uh, show them the way out of whatever the situation is that they're in bring healing into those relationships or show them that they need to leave that relationship if that's the case, if it's a bad situation for everybody. And Lord, for those that are just hurting today, maybe they lost a loved one a year ago or two years ago or ten years ago and they're still thinking about it. We're around the anniversary, Lord. Minister that healing touch to them. Give them the hope that one day they'll see that person again in heaven. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for this message. And as we go out of here today, help us to be light bearers, Lord, in our community. Help people to come to know you, the truth, as we give our own testimonies. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And then those that are watching the game tonight, help us to get excited, but not too excited. Keep us safe in our coming and our going. Show favor on us everywhere we are. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. God bless you. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.